Hi, Jonah. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, thank you so much for having me on the show. I've uh, really been looking forward to this. So, um, uh, yeah, let's let, let's do it. Yes, this has been months in the making. I'd love to talk to you about your community that you've started. I don't want to belittle it by just calling it an Instagram account. This is truly a movement, a community that you've started, the Blendian Project. How did you come about this idea and why did you think that it needed to be created? Yeah, so the idea, um, I'm I'm married to a South Asian woman. My wife's name is um, Sveta. We have two kids. We've been married for, I'd say, about 10, 10 years. Um, and without without meeting another couple that that resembled us and had the same backgrounds as us um i was taking a family trip to india came across an al jazeera article about african students getting um, attacked by street mobs in in noida new delhi um, essentially i think that uh, someone a student had died and and it was uh kind of related to um, some Nigerians who were selling drugs. So um, effectively street mobs got into a frenzy and and started attacking um, African students. I personally never had really thought about the anti-blackness in South Asian community before. So it really gave me an opportunity just to, to start investigating it and you know asking myself why um, there are so few of our relationships and why our relationships are looked at as, as um, taboo. And um, I remember I, I put together a call to action for others to um, to share their stories, to connect with what I was calling the Blindian Project even at that point in time. And <laughs> I remember I received 10 stories from around the world and um, packaged them up and, and put them out, um, really. And that was the, the first iteration of, of what the, the project was. I wouldn't I'd say that my thoughts didn't become um, bigger until until much later. So and it's interesting because I think as creatives, we, we look back at things and you remember all this kind of blood, sweat and tears you, you put into things. And um, you just remember like, uh, well, I was never thinking about my podcast like that at that point in time. Like I never knew it was that powerful. I never knew it could connect people in this way. So um, I definitely know when I started the Blindian Project, I, I didn't have those goals, aspirations or anything for it. It was um, just another kind of campaign or piece of work that I was um, that I was working on. Oh, that's amazing. And I, I feel like that's a testament to the creative process too, where you don't just come up with the bright idea at once. It takes a couple of small things, iterations, and looking back, it's really easy to be oh, like, 100%. oh, I could have just done it. Yeah, like this, but it all led to something for a reason. It needed to happen in that way. Definitely, definitely. And and I think one of the questions you asked, why did I think it was needed? So um, 2020 came around, the beginning of 2020, and doing way too many different things creatively. Some of them, well, I was essentially trying to create a, a media company, but it had all of these different strands and, and things I was speaking to and didn't have a lot of people volunteering with me. So it became very um, overwhelming. So I had to take stock and, and look at, you know, out of these various different pieces of work, which one, which one do I think could leave uh, the biggest mark or, or make the biggest impact on the world and people's lives and, and also really make me feel um, valued as a as an artist, really. Um, and it was a blending project. So mm. that's how it all came around to, to the beginning of 2020. Um, as we were speaking about before, um, Corona, coronavirus came and forced people to, to 
to be inside. It forced people to live differently. I mean, it changed our whole lives, really. I mean, I think everybody's screen time probably went up by about 35% or something like that. But um, things changed. You had Apple to start. Apple loves to remind you. Yeah, yeah. And when that notification comes up and you're like, oh, I don't even want to look at it this week, you know, because um, <laughs> it's going to be crazy. But um uh yeah yeah then then we had you know various different things that happened coronavirus happened just said changed our lives we're all inside we're doing things online like the rise of the online kind of events and workshops and things like that and um you know george floyd happened and um that murder happened and when that happened i noticed um i never had really had my head into um south asian specific spaces before really. Mm -hmm. Um, even though I had started the project, um, again, earlier that year, like I wasn't actively participating or looking around. I just had my head down and I was just doing what I was doing. Um, and you could just see like there was this urge and this hunger for more information and wanting to know how to participate and, and to be allies really. And, um, I, I thought that was really, really beautiful. I was inspired by that. I was inspired by, um, you know, people just wanting to to make a change and say, you know, enough is enough. Um, tradition, all that stuff's cool, but um, you know, we're 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 at a different time of our lives, and it's up to us really to to bring about the change. Totally, I and I really appreciate you taking that impetus and being one of the leaders in that community space to be able to create this. I joke about how in 2020 there was this awakening to race being a factor in our country, in the U.S. at least, where, you know, this has been happening forever. But sometimes I'd feel like, well, yeah, like, I'm glad you decided to, like, acknowledge this has been going on. But jokes aside, I'm realizing more and more, like, it has also given, I think, some permission to people to also call things out, say, like, you know, wanting to take make time and space to actually learn more and engage more. So I will take the positives and focus on that. Um, so I was actually curious with your podcast, or sorry, with your, uh, community. Um, I love that you started this in the basis of a love story with your own wife. Um, and of course that's one way to tell that story of the communities coming together. So how do you balance that piece of this isn't just about celebrating black and Indian love. It's also about bringing together two cultures and bridging that anti-blackness that exists in our South Asian communities. Uh, so that, that's, um, it, it was really natural. Like one thing that I always tell people is that, um, you know, this is very much, this is my life. Um, this is, this is our life. Um, you know, we, we've had to navigate a lot of these spaces and, and challenges and it's just a, a, a recount or, um, a curiosity, um, for how other people are, are, are going about it. Um, really, um, as you mentioned, the start of the storytelling was, um, about love, which, I think was, it was a great spot, a great place to, to start at because everybody can relate to love. Everyone can relate to the feeling of love. It doesn't matter what color you are. Um, uh, everybody knows what that feeling love um, feels like and, and, and the urge to, to want that. So um, I really think, to be honest, like I really think that even all of the issues and problems and, you know, immigration and xenophobia and all of this stuff, like... I feel like our relationships or the stories that are in like the blending project are um, almost like a, I don't want to say a blueprint, but they're almost like um, 
they show or they exhibit like so many different things that the world can take from this. Like, um, you know, in the U.S., there was like all of this kind of um, if you want to talk about like uh, being taken over by Hispanics and people at the border and all of this stuff. And you think about um, religion and Islamophobia and, and all of this, mm-hmm. just everything bad in the world. Like these things are dotted throughout like our relationships and and they come out and then you see two people stuck in the middle who are in love and you see them rising above everything else regardless of if they're threatened by you know being disowned or whatever the situation may be because um they believe in that love and i and i just think that's so pure and it's just so beautiful to to see that rise above rise above everything else in the in the face of you know all of these challenges from society yeah, I completely agree. I think like even if you're not black or Indian, this is a group that could be applicable because how how universal is the want in the end of the day? You know, the want to be loved or the want to belong. There's a lot to learn from these two communities coming together and the conversations that I've noticed that you've been having, you know, whether it's Instagram Live, from the posts, et cetera. Um, I really appreciate that. So it models something that we should be practicing in general, no matter what the context. Um, You mentioned some of the drama and the theatrics that can happen sometimes of, you know, two people trying to come together amidst all the adversity of two cultures um, clashing. So can you talk to me a little bit about how you and your wife got together and how those conversations were with your families? Oh yeah. So, um, I, um, I was in university. I needed an adventure. I needed to, to get away. And I, I saw this posting for study abroad and this is way back in the day, um, before like study abroad was actually what it is today. And, um, I decided to, to go to Dublin and my wife, Sveta happened to live in Ireland, um, part of her life and her best friend lived in my dormitory. So we just happened to randomly meet at my local pub, um, which was called the Mad Hatter. And that was the start of our, um, relationship. And there was never a threat of disownment or, um, uh, anything like that for, for us, it was, um, more the length of time I think it took for me to be introduced to my now in-laws. Um, I was living overseas and, and back and forth, uh, you know, throughout that time. So it, it was good in the sense, like we were both trying to find our feet as, you know, whether it was graduating medicine or starting out professionally. Um, so we weren't, we didn't have the luxury of like being together every single day or, or being all up underneath one another. Um, and it just kind of naturally, um, then happened to, you know, we had to, we had to decide on what we, what we wanted to do. Do we want to be together? If we want to be together, what is it going to take? You know, are, are you Jonah willing to, to move over here because I'm still in my medical degree, you know? So I think it was evident, like very, early on that we were having conversations and, and trying to feel each other out as to um, what our future lives were going to look like versus, um, you know, just not talking about it at all and then getting to the end and me being like, well, I want to meet your parents and, you know, then going to, to try to meet the parents without actually being sure of what we had ourselves as a couple. Mm-hmm. That actually, I think anyone can emulate. <laughs> Honestly, I think that's probably a good idea before you meet the parents. Yeah. And just to your point, like, um, 
because uh, we started doing workshops and different things like that. It's been really interesting that, um, you know, we've been, a, I've been holding a workshop and, um, you know, been going around for, for feedback and, you know, there'll be a, a person from India on the call and, you know, they're not in blending relationships. They may be in a, an intercaste relationship. They may be in an interfaith relationship, but um, they're still able to take from what we're talking about um, and to um, apply it to their lives, right? You know, even even the name, let me tell you about the name. Like my wife is Indian, right? So when the project started, um, it was just about black and Indian couples, right? Because that's what I was. That's mm -hmm. what I am. That's what we are. And um, I remember like probably a little bit of the way into it, like a, um, a Pakistani woman who's married to a Jamaican, um, you know, she's like, I, I want I want to participate. Like this should be more inclusive. And, you know, I, I thought about it for a while and I couldn't like, I couldn't figure out a reason why it was a bad reason to, to open it up to um, other people. You know, very much when we use the term Blindian, it, it's meant to be, you know, black, which could be African-American. It could be black British. It could be African. Um, I hate to use umbrella terms, but that has been used in that sense. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the, the Indian in the Blindian came to mean, you know, the Indian subcontinent. So, um, you know, it came to be more inclusive. Um, and um, I think... I think when you're building something, there's always a um, look or a want to see how how you can bring additional people in without trying to, you know, compromise what you're actually doing. And and for me, it just it, it made sense. Like um, if you are in a, <laughs> I was gonna say Blackistani, but if you're in a Pakistani and <laughs> like black relationship, like you're going to experience a lot of the the same things, you know, that your um, Indian and and black relationship right. may um, face as well too. And and the cultures are so similar. Um, so, um, yeah, that, that was interesting. And then, so I've been inspired to see people who aren't even in Black and South Asian relationships being able to take something from it and it resonating with them, um, because ultimately that just allows us to be able to help um, a wider group of people, which I think um, is a problem that anybody would love to have, really. Absolutely. I love that about your community, too, is that you create a lot of conversations within the page. You have Instagram lives, you have converse, uh, workshops that you partner with other accounts and groups with. Um, and so in these conversations, I'm curious, like, what are the most, you know, tell me a little bit about what you hear and why you think that some of the stigma exists according to the conversations you're having with them. Like, what has become your sort of if you had to postulate like these are my theories and themes that I'm seeing and insights that I'm gaining from these conversations what would those be uh it's a tough one i mean i feel that um within the south asian community um specifically um i feel like there is um uh there's very much an urge to break out a lot of these traditional molds that um people are told that they need to um, live within. Um, one thing I'll say as well, too, the, the Blending Project community on IG um, is is like 82% female, right? Mm -hmm. So um, it's very heavily skewed towards um, towards female, which is fine. I, I love that. Um, um, so when I'm speaking about um, people wanting to break free, it's predominantly women wanting to break out of um, um, perhaps it's, um, you know, patriarchal type things. Perhaps it's um, this thought that um, we need to be subservient. Um, perhaps it's this thought of um, you need to and you are going to have an arranged marriage. Um, 
there's just a, a really big push to um, being independent and, and being able to um, achieve and, and just do what do whatever um, people people want to do with their lives really versus um, having to, to deal with um, you know shame and um, the weight of the whole family's shoulders um, you know on, on people's shoulders so just just a willingness to want to be free you know even back to the blending project um, free to love whoever you want to love you know regardless of um, you know their caste or um, social standing different things like that just um, just a willingness to be free absolutely what has been one of the most impactful stories that you've heard if you're comfortable sharing uh, most impactful, uh, I'll, I'll pick two. So there was one where there was a woman who was in a, she, she agreed to, she agreed to go with an arranged marriage. So mm -hmm. I think she did that because of society and her parents. Um, she got into that arranged marriage. It was really abusive. She spoke to, um, family about getting out of it. Obviously you're, you're aware of the stigma around divorce. Mm -hmm. Um, there was very much, uh, uh, conversation around, well, this is what marriage is, kind of get on with it. Um, she uh, found the courage to to break out of that relationship, which um, I give her so much credit for doing that. And she was living in the States, family was back in India, and she basically got out of that relationship, was hanging out with some friends and met this older black man. He might be 10 years her, uh, 10 years her age. And um, she had also been told that she could never conceive um, uh, a child, and uh, they actually ended up having uh, a baby together. Um, so it was just, it was a beautiful story in the sense that there was a person that kind of found this found this path unconventionally and um, going against the grain of so many different things within the culture and society and found this point where she's found true happiness really and has kind of broken from those shackles of you need to do this, you need to do that, you're controlled by this, you need to feel the shame and, and the weight of, of all of this stuff. She's, you know, she was able to, to find her own space that says, I'm going to live my life on my own terms and um, if you don't like it, you don't like it. Um, that was a really beautiful story. Um, and then there was another one recently, which um, uh, this black British man um, was with a with an Indian um, woman. They had been friends for call it two years. They worked together, and they started you know dating romantically. And um, she wanted to tell her parents just because I think a lot of people can probably resonate with this. Is when you're you know, having to sneak around when you're having to, to live this double life and you're having to lie about going to places and lying about going on trips and stuff and taking fake pictures and having to sanitize your social feeds. Like it just gets draining after a while. And I very much, you know, see people who are just like, look, I can't do this anymore. Like I'm tired of living this double life. So she told her family that she was um, dating this gentleman. Um, I think they had been pressuring her to get an arranged marriage. And from there, it just it, it was just manipulation via the family and um you know using people's um uh deteriorating health to manipulate her and essentially um at the end she um boarded the plane on a one-way ticket um back to india um and i can't remember oh my gosh. if she, she didn't get she hasn't been married off but um you know very much just kind of uprooted from 
um, her whole place, environment, work, everything, and um, you know, sent back to India effectively to try to um, get her to to forget about this this perceived love that that she had for for somebody that you know ultimately was was looked at in a negative light by um, you know family in the community. But so extreme. I mean, yeah. so extreme. Like it was, like we we did a live with the with the gentleman, and um, I actually heard about a, a similar case like this probably about six months prior. Um, and it's just, um, I think it's one of those things that it's not talked about openly because if you think about it, the victim in that situation is feeling shameful for themselves, but also their family. And how is their family going to look? Um, even more so than when they're in a relationship just with a person that they shouldn't be, you know? Um, it's like, your family did what? Your family did that to you, you know? Um, so it, it's difficult there. And and I just feel like the community as a whole doesn't talk about it because, you know, sometimes you just don't want to air your dirty laundry, right? It, it's just mm-hmm. that dirty that you don't, you just don't want it out there. So really powerful story. I I want to, you know, shed some more light on cases like that and just people who have gone through it because it's horrendous, to be honest. Absolutely. Imagine you're you're dating somebody or in love with somebody and then all of a sudden they're just ripped from ripped from your arms and um, transported, you know, manipulated against their will and um, sent back to India, you know. Um, just just horrible. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know why Indian families also feel like just shipping someone off to India. Like it's like the Alcatraz of, you know, scandal of like, just go send them off to India and they'll be fixed. But it doesn't really address what's happening. Um, and for that individual, the amount of emotional labor you're going through, how just heavy that weighs like you it's not just about living your life you're living like five people's lives in your head and then this like ambiguous like amoeba of what represents society um and so it's really a tragedy for that individual as well um this is somewhat similar but like i when i was in college i couldn't tell my parents like who i was dating and then finally at the end of it when i told them like okay so he's his parents are from the middle east and he's muslim like they actually they asked a couple of questions, but they were like fine with it. But I had suffered for like those whole three years of like, oh my gosh, how am I gonna tell them? I had to be so low key about it. I had to hide everything. Um, and it was just like a very painful way to live for something that was just, you know, and I had a positive experience luckily, but um, that's not always the case. Yeah, yeah. One thing that I've also really appreciated about your g- group is that there's a balance of, not only highlighting Blindian um, struggle, but also Blindian joy. And I think that's something that I've really appreciated, even as we talk about race in America. One of the things that can be my pet peeve, especially being in communications, is sometimes the statements that people make are that I'm like doing all this research, I'm watching movies on Netflix. And a lot of the movies that they list tend to be about Black struggle, which I think is really important to understand and acknowledge. But at the same time, I feel like it's equally important to watch stories that celebrate Black lives and love and happiness. And that's something that I wish people would promote more um, so that it actually normalizes more than showing it as like a struggle. Um, how have you balanced like showing a Blindian struggle and Blindian joy in your um, account? Yeah, I think um, quite, quite, quite organically, um, really. I mean, I still... Um, I'm in charge of editing all the stories, so I, I see everything that comes through. And um, e- even though I, you know, leave it quite open to people's um, 
interpretations or whatever they want to get off their chest. Like I still try to 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 guide it in in certain ways. Um, I so I'm one of these people. Like I I see both sides of it. Like think about a children's book, for example. Right now, um, if you look at the stats, whether you're in the U.S. or the U.K., um, you know. Um, uh, protagonists that are minorities are, you know, it's like 5% or some, some like uh, ridiculously low number. So um, there is a power in perhaps reading a book about um, uh, black or South Asian people have like, like little girls having a tea party, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Let's call it a, a co-ed tea party, right? And not being anything about skin color or anything like that. So I see that, um, that, that power of it as well too. But um, like, I've seen like a lot of things and, and personally, like um, it could be a, a Hollywood movie or something like that, or a love story. And they don't address any of the, any of the challenges or the um, issues of the relationships. And for me, sometimes that feels like a, a lost opportunity. Um, for sure. I think it's because probably because we haven't seen a lot of these relationships um, in the media um, or, or portrayed. So we want it to be um, real and accurate as possible. Um, I just try to, I just try to mix it up really. Um, you know, Sometimes it's going to be good. Sometimes it's going to be bad. Um, I know like when religion, talk of religion comes out, that's always a very um, sore subject and um, people are very opinionated about it. I just try to um, give it a give it a bit of everything. And, and to be honest, at the end of the day, um, like if you're not feeling uncomfortable ever, then it's... It, it's not a space that I want want it to be in when it's like that, right? I mm-hmm. want people to feel challenged. I want people to challenge me. I want people to feel uncomfortable. I want it to be a place where I learn, you know? I want it to be a place where I um, am learn when I'm actually seeing um, and being made aware of, you know, unconscious biases that I've had that I never knew anything about, you know? Absolutely. And I really appreciate what you touched on. Like, I actually talk about this with Rosh in the other episode, too, about just watching a lot of movies that came out, you know, at a certain time, especially in the 2000s, where there was this almost romanticization of interracial couples, and they would show the like point where they get together, and it's like supposed to be beautiful, like, and it is. But then you don't see the conversations that happen afterwards, which can be just as challenging. Um, I remember seeing this movie, Something New, which has Sonal Lathan and Simon, um, I forget his last name, but he's an Australian actor. Okay. And they show a few of the conversations that they have. And I found that so interesting because I was like, this is the part that you actually don't hear about is how do you actually then navigate that interracial relationship once you're in it, which can actually sometimes be even more challenging than just coming together. Yes. Yes. So, so yeah, I see it. I see what you're saying and stuff like that. Like, and um, agree with it. Like, um, yeah, it's great to normalize it in the sense, and some people have made this comment as well too. They're like, you, and I remember this, like when the BBC piece came out, like there was a guy that I was having a back to forth with, and he was like, um, the fact that you think you need to create a, a website or a platform to, to, ce- to celebrate this is like, is just like, he was like that you shouldn't have to do that. And I was just like, what? I was like, that's fair that you're saying that, but um, there's nothing wrong with um, celebrating, you know, black and brown love. Like, why are you so offended by that? Like, y- you don't have to come to the site. You don't have to do anything about it. Like, you, mm-hmm. you know, 
I, I think for the thing is for me, like we haven't had our own spaces for so long and we haven't had a space where both of our communities are actually coming together. So, um, so hell yeah, I'm going to celebrate it. And, and yeah, I love it. And what's wrong, you know, like, like what's wrong with black joy? What's wrong with brown joy? Like, uh, I'm all for it, you know? And, and I'm going to celebrate it and I'm going to, and I'm going to share it with other people. And if you don't like it, then, um, you know, there are things that you can do. You can easily leave. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree and damn right. So I, I feel that way about pretty much anything that people get offended by. I'm like, you don't have to bother with it. Yeah. You know, like this doesn't have to concern you. If you're against, you know, Pride Month and you feel like it's unnecessary, then don't go. Like, but let people celebrate if they want to. 100%. 100%. If, yeah, it doesn't, if it doesn't, it doesn't need to affect your life, then just, you know, stay away from that information then. Absolutely. And I, and furthermore, I think sometimes it highlights the privilege of perhaps that individual of um, for you to not see the need probably means that you do have a place where you do feel seen. Uh, for others, these communities are imperative for survival sometimes to feel like you belong. Well, well 100%. I mean, it was um, I think it was a white guy or something like that, which um, we would say it all right then and there. So you've never yes. been in the, <laughs> in the situation where you have to fight for representation because you're always represented. So you can't understand why people who don't feel represented want to see themselves yeah. represented, right? Um, which is just the basic thing, right? That uh, When you have to start explaining stuff like that to people, um, you might be in a conversation <laughs> that you might not win, right? Oh, yeah. Well, because I mean, like we celebrate, it's almost like equating white to normal, right? Like in their, uh, in like certain people's eyes and like every Hallmark movie, every Netflix rom-com, like usually is celebrating a white love. Mm. And like, we are supposed to not see it that way, but it's actually what it is, right? Like progressively, I get really bothered. Like the more and more movies come out, even after the conversations we're having after, especially 2020, I'm shocked by the casting sometimes. So I'm like, when are we, like, I can't see another story that doesn't represent other people in it. Mm, mm. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, yeah. 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 But um, yeah, at the same point in time, like um, uh, it presents opportunity for us, right? Um, it, 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 it provides an opportunity for you to, you know, tell these unhidden um, stories of, you know, South Asian culture. Um, it allows me the opportunity to try to unite and, and unify, um, you know, black and South Asian culture. Um, and, you know, if, if other people don't want to do it, then that's fine. I'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and do it. Um, more than happy to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Last but not least, I mean, in that spirit, what is your call to action to listeners or folks who are starting to engage with your platform? Yeah. My call to action to people is just to, um, to, to get involved, get, get involved with the community, um, uh, engage with the community. We have, um, a lot of, um, new spaces and different things we're rolling out. Um, for us, uh, one thing that I've seen is that, um, a lot of these stereotypes and stigmas exist because we're not interacting as, as communities, right? So when you're not, um, when you don't have a South Asian friend, you know, when you don't have a black friend, you, you, you kind of lean on, um, other sources of information to uh, to guide you, right? It could be movies, it could be media, and you don't really know, right? But when you actually, you know, sit down and, and break bread with these people and start learning about um, the communities and culture and, you know, what they've been through, you, you start to um, be able to reframe um, your relationship with that 
with that community and, and just learn about a, a different uh, rich, rich culture. So like I said, we're, we're creating different spaces like book clubs, writing clubs. We have a book coming out. We are, um, you know, going to get into hopefully documentaries and shorts and things like that. And, um, just engage, um, with the community, um, when you're ready. Um, and, um, I, I think it, it, it takes all of us again, you don't need to be in a, um, black and South Asian relationship. Um, you could be, um, it, it's just about raising the awareness so people are, you know, open to the, to the fact and the possibilities and able to, to support, support us really. 1000%. And it sounds like you have a way, no matter what speaks to people to connect and engage if they're interested, no matter what medium. Thanks. No, thank you. Um, I'm, I'm glad that, um, that it's resonated with you and that you felt, um, you know, strong enough to, to get me on the show just to speak to you a little bit about, um, you know, what we're doing and, and our hopes for the future, really. Absolutely. No, the honor is mine. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me. You mentioned a book. So can you tell me more about this book? Yeah. So one thing that um, that we realized kind of over the, the, the course of, of the last year is people really resonated with the stories. Um, people... I think being in blending or black or South Asian relationships, it can be really isolating, right? You may have a group of peers who um, would never dare be in, in, in that type of relationship. So you find yourself being or feeling quite isolated. Um, and again, you may not see any other couples that resemble you. So there's a further kind of step of isolation. So people with the stories, they really connected with them. They saw themselves in them. And it just made people, it kind of strengthened the community because it's almost like, um, you know, I'm, my experience is validated. So um, I, I told you before that I was working on a children's book. So um, this just felt like, okay, this could actually be the book that I, I put together and it'll have a collection of stories. So it has 10 stories all different variations of um, blend, blending relationships. So, you know, there's a LGBTQ plus couple that's represented there. There is um, my stories in there. So, you know, black male, South Asian female. Um, it's in reverse as well too, where there's an African-American female, South Asian male. There's love stories of people who were in a blending relationship and it didn't work, but at the same point in time, they've been able to take so much from what they learned in terms of what they're looking for romantically going forward and even just in their you know relationships to to the black community so 10 stories um it's got some nice visual got some artwork and people that i've collaborated with there and um it, it's almost like part workbook as well too because we really wanted people to be able to interact with with the book um i think these stories when you look at them uh, I'm going to say the right way. When I feel like when I look at them the right way, I'm I'm asking myself questions. I'm um, I'm trying to relate it to my to myself and my work, and um, that's where the title came from. When we see ourselves, so it's for me, it's about seeing ourselves in other people's stories, trying to put ourselves in their shoes, um, which ultimately allows us to empathize with them and. Um, uh, yeah, I think empathy is something that we're we were missing a lot of um, uh, of twenty twenty. Definitely, and I think it hit us in the face. So, really excited for that to come out. It comes out the end of March, and um, just really excited for that to to be um, to be out in the world and, and people to be able to 
to, to purchase it and read it and interact with it. Awesome. No, we, I can't wait. You'll have to keep us posted. Um, I love the inclusion of it. Uh, it sounds like so much intersectionality, even just beyond the Blendian piece, which is so important because we're all very multidimensional. So I really love the title. Very Thank accurate. You. Thank you. It's with the um, yeah, it's with the designer right now. So I'm gonna have to send him stuff after we get off the call here. But um, no, it feels really, really good to be coming to the to the end of this journey and um, on to the next one.